Hi, my name is Scott, and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you are new, we want to welcome you, and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church, or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, www.restoredtemecula.church, and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. I love you guys. And it's good to see your faces. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church as a lead pastor on eldership with my wife, Ebony, and Herrick and Heather Berga. And so, yeah, if we haven't met, just wanted to introduce myself and say I'm stoked that you're joining us. This morning really is a special morning for us as a church family. One of the things that we uh, we really value, it's actually, if you look at our the list of our six core values as a church, one of the things that we um, really value is this idea of multiplication. And you see it like interwoven in the fabric of really all of creation. God literally made things this way, whether it be plants or animals or people. That there's this, this, this concept of multiplication. And specifically for us as a church, we don't want to just see kind of addition take place into the kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom of God multiplied. That involves people and God's rule and reign. So first and foremost, God becomes king of our life and he, he, he's a good king who lays down his life for people who are behaving like his enemies. And from that space, he rules and reigns in our life. And then from there, we, we as his agents bring his good news, the good news of his rule and his reign, his kingdom to the world around us. That's people and creation. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is in the business of renewing everything, both people and all of creation. It's this beautiful, redemptive story of the gospel laid out in the scriptures. And for that to take place, you see this concept of multiplication of men and women redeemed by God and then empowered by God's spirit to join in that redemption of the rest of the planet, the rest of creation. And so whether it's seeing um, disciples multiplied or churches multiplied or gospel communities multiplied or spiritual gifts multiplied, we want to live for that. We believe that's what God's on about in this age. And so the reason I bring that up is because, in just a moment I'm going to call up Mikey, and he is a gift to the body of Christ. God has uniquely given him spiritual gifts for him to use to serve and, and, and for the, uh, the benefit of other people so that they would, might encounter the love of God. And you're, he's no different than you. All of us, God has given us, he's, he's created us uniquely with gifts for us to utilize so that other people might experience the love, the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God through us. And we want to be a community of people who support each other and equip each other and coach each other and come alongside each other and, and encourage each other to step into that which God has prepared for us to do. The good works that the scriptures talk about. Not out of a place of trying to earn favor with God. No, but in a place of response, worshipful response of him giving himself to us graciously. Forgiveness, mercy, new life in Jesus. And so this might just be like, oh, cool, somebody we love is going to come up and preach. Yes, that's about to happen, but it's deeper than that, and you need to know that. It's us as a community come alongside each other to see this concept of kingdom multiplication take place. You with me? 
that's what's happening. That's why it's so special. In addition to that, we just love Mike. So, Mike, come on up, buddy. Hopefully, this music stand will hold your laptop. Guys, listen, um, Mike has been preparing this message for a while now. And I'm, I'm fully convinced, Herrick and I both, uh, that what you're going to hear from him this morning will be a blessing to you. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, before, I, before we pray over him, I really want to put something kind of like, I want to plant a seed in your brain that hopefully will come to fruition as Mike is speaking. And that is this. As you hear from Mike this morning, I want you to keep in the forefront of your mind one thing. The faithfulness of God. If, if one thing marks what Mike is about to share with you, it is the incredible, radical, amazing faithfulness of God. Okay? Marla Harrelson, will you come up and pray over your man? She gets a golf clap. That's not fair. Come on. Okay. Pray over your man. Uh, thank you. What an honor. Uh, Jesus, you are so good. Um, I just, from the moment I've met this man, your faithfulness to him has just been on display so fervently, Lord. Um, and you have created him for um, just such beautiful purposes, Lord. And we all around him can just testify to... Um, the gifts that you've given him and the faith that he has in you, Lord, that just pours out of him. Um, just He just sweats it out of his pores, Lord. Um, and I'm just so thankful to have this opportunity to be able to pray for him and just ask God that you would speak through him this morning, that anything um, that is Mike that is not of you, Lord, would um, go to the wayside, Lord, and that you would be high and lifted up, God. Um, I just pray that you would um, be with his words. Would he make much of you, Lord? And I just pray for your peace, Lord, to calm every nervous um, part of his his body, Lord, and that you would be able to speak clearly. Lord, prepare our hearts uh, for whatever it is that, Holy Spirit, you want to speak to us individually, Lord. We know that you love us. You are here for us, Lord. And um, I'm just excited for this moment. So thank you. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, because we want to establish and create a culture of honor, and because we are people of grace, which means getting what you don't deserve, before he says a word, will you just love him with, with your applause and with your shoots and hollers? Thank you. Um, well, like Tom said, my name is Mike, and I'm married to this beautiful woman over here, Marla. We have four beautiful children. Um, yeah, and so since I know a lot of you, but I don't know all of you, I thought I'd share a couple things that I enjoy to start off. Um, for me, there's something about getting out into God's creation, whether it be hiking, uh, backpacking. Personally, though, my favorite is being out on a boat where I can't see any land, out fishing. There's something about being small in the middle of God's creation, and um, it's really good for my soul. As well, I really enjoy good food. So you might catch Marla and I 
either to just the two of us or with friends out to eat a really good dinner, share a bottle of wine. Um, there's something that's just wonderful about how God made food with so many different flavors and um, made people that can really do that, put it together really well. So today, um, I'll be talking with you guys about three lessons I've learned about faith as I've walked with Jesus. As a way of introduction, um, you know, just like Herrick, I thought I'd start with a movie. Um, 1989, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Um, there's a scene, there's a scene in uh, The Last Crusade where Indy and his dad, uh, Henry, are in a temple and they're followed in by uh, this guy named Walter Donovan. And this guy is chasing after them. See, they've been going through a series of different you know, challenges to get to the Holy Grail. And Walter comes upon them, and he shoots Henry right in his side. He falls to the ground. Indy goes to comfort his dad, I guess, or look to see how he's doing. Um, he just got shot. Uh, <laughs> but he gets back up, and he looks at Donovan, and he yells at him for a second. And then Donovan says to Indy, he says, the healing power of the grail is the only thing that can save your father now. You need to ask yourself what you believe. See, they, um, they'd been on this journey. Indy got from his dad a little diary. It was called the grail diary. And it had sort of clues to how to get to the grail. And he'd been studying this for a long time. And he had to ask himself, did I really believe that the grail is there? And what does that mean for my next steps? So he runs down a tunnel, and at the end of the tunnel, there's this, um, it's a crevasse, I, I mean a canyon that's as deep as the eye can see, and the walls go to the, the sky as far as he can see as well. And this challenge is called the invisible bridge that he comes to in that moment. See, he knew what he saw in the diary that he could get across, but he actually had to put his weight into what he believed very much sort of like how we are. Like, there's this reality that in faith, we know what we believe, but we have to put our weight into it and step onto it. So Indy, what does he do? He steps out and he starts walking across this bridge. I mean, it was sort of hidden. Those of you who seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like it's not there, but it's fully there. I love what uh, Dr. J. Um, Oswald Sanders says. It says, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. See, at its simplest form, faith is about trusting God. So, will you guys pray with me? Yeah, Jesus, um, we're grateful. You're good. Um, just this morning, waking up, just feeling your love your goodness, your faithfulness towards me over all these years. Oh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your faithfulness towards me with all these people here, people I love dearly. I pray, Lord, that you would be in every word that I say, that I wouldn't get in the way of anything you want to do. Lord, that you would be honored in all things because you're amazing and you're faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right.
So the fall of 2002, I was, um, I was an atheist at that point in my life. Uh, I had you know, li- been living by sort of my own terms. I believed what I could see in front of me, what I could feel. Um, I didn't believe in God whatsoever. And really, life wasn't going well for me at that point. Um, I had just got out of a pretty messy relationship. And my, uh, my life was sort of marked by like a downward tra- trajectory of substance and really poor choices. It was that morning that um, I was driving from my job at a coffee shop to my other job at um, a doctor's office. And um, I was going down Studebaker Road in Long Beach, heading south. If you guys are familiar with Long Beach, it's right next to El Dorado Park. Um, I'd driven that road a thousand times before because we only lived like a mile from there. And about 100 yards down the road, I saw a red light turn green. And I looked down at my radio. I was fiddling with it. And when I looked up again, there was a car completely stopped at a green light. Um, I went 40 miles an hour into the back of that car with no seatbelt on whatsoever. When the firefighters and the police got to the scene, um, they looked around and, I mean, they're helping other people and helping me and all that stuff. And they just kept on looking at the car going, how is this guy walking away with just a burn on his eyebrow from the airbag? See, I was completely uninjured in that moment. And that was the moment I had my first crisis of faith. I mean, for all accounts, I should be dead in that moment. At least that's what the professionals said that were there. And I had the sense that there was something or something or someone outside of this world that had impact into it, and I really didn't understand what was going on. Something that was transcendent that stepped in to my situation right there and really sort of a poor time of life for me. So I began my uh, religious journey at that point, as I would probably call it back then. Um, Buddhism was sort of trendy, so I thought, oh, hey, I'll, I'll try that on for size. And um, so I started meditating daily. I was reading about the Eightfold Path. I was really trying to work my way to enlightenment and um, I couldn't get over one thing, and that was reincarnation. I was having a hard time with it. See, for me, at that point, if I was going to be reincarnated, it was not going to be a good thing. <laughs> I was going to end up like a dung beetle or something like that. It was bad news. So, um, summer of 2003, I met Adrian. We worked on the same shift at the coffee shop. Um, Adrian is a Christian, and up until that point... I, uh, for the most part, I didn't really want to talk to Christians. I wasn't really interested. And, um, but this was a different kind of conversation. Like, Adrian, he was asking me questions about what I believed, why I believed it, how I sort of came to those conclusions. But more than anything, he had a genuine interest in me. And so as we were talking, he asked, the big question came up, what do you know about Jesus? And, um... It may sound funny, but I knew nothing about Jesus. I mean, I guess I'd gone to a little preschool stuff, but didn't register. I'd read a couple books, like the Left Behind series. You'd think it would register, it didn't register. 
Um, but in that moment, I really had no clue. And so the next question he asked me was, would you be willing to read uh, the gospel according to Matthew? And I said, yeah, I'd be interested in reading that. But there was one problem. I had no clue where to go in the Bible. So he took me, he's like, go to the back, New Testament, first book there. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went home and I rummaged through my stuff and I found a Bible that I shoplifted in high school. Don't ask me why. And I started reading at that point. Um, I was immediately drawn to Jesus. Like, who he is. He saw people, broken people, hurting people. People are walking through life desiring to be loved, but it seemed fleeting. But he didn't just do that. He stepped into the pain that they had. He gave them hope and meaning. He loved sinners like you and me. And ultimately, he went to cross to save them. So to say I was captivated by Jesus would be an understatement, really. But, you know, about a month went by, and Adrian asked me, what do you think of Jesus? And I'm like, man, he's pretty amazing. I'm really into him. He asked me, would you, do you want to follow him? And I said, you know, I don't think I'm really ready yet. And as I look back on it, I think of the rich young ruler. Like, he realized the cost of what it was going to take to follow Jesus, and he just, he wasn't ready to go there. And I was sort of in the same place. I realized that I couldn't be, this couldn't be a half-hearted decision, I had to be all in, or I wasn't in at all. So I kept on reading. Kept on reading, and I got, it was this September after my 21st, 23rd birthday. I was sitting in my bedroom meditating on 1 Corinthians 13. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And in that moment, something happened. I had this overwhelming sense of being loved. Jesus died for me. He gave his life for me. I realized I was broken and in sin, and I had no hope whatsoever. Um, I needed a savior, and it was Jesus. So I prayed something. I honestly have no clue what it was at the time. Um, But it doesn't really matter, because I was met by the Holy Spirit in that moment. Um, See... He showed me the poverty of my condition. He also showed me the glorious love of Jesus. Much like Indiana Jones stepping out on a bridge, I was stepping out into what it looked like to follow Jesus by faith, onto the unknown. So, my conversion overall was pretty quick, but I realized that um, this formation is going to take a lifetime. And that's okay, because I have hope, hope that can't be taken away from me. So my first lesson that I learned about faith is God reveals himself in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, Now God has revealed these things to us by the spirit, since the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in the Christian and desires to reveal Jesus to them more and more in every part of life today. But there's this reality. We don't always hear him. See, if you're anything like me, 
probably pretty busy, got a lot of stuff going on. You got to slow down to be able to, to listen to him, and we don't take that time. Um, there's also the reality that like any second that I have that's free, I pick up this thing and I look at it and I sort of scroll because I don't really want to have to think about what's really going on in my heart. I sort of want to be distracted. Or you flip on the tube. I guess it's not a tube anymore. It's a flat screen. Um, I guess I just made myself old right then. Um, but you start binging shows. See, the, there's this reality that our attention is attuned to something. But what is it? And there's a really dangerous reality that unless we slow down, we're not going to hear the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a second. The God of the universe wants to reveal more of himself to us today. But we have to slow down. We have to tune our attention to him to be able to hear him. So May 27, 2010, it was Marla's birthday. Um, We had just got the keys that day to our house in Temecula, the house that we still live in. What a great birthday present for her. Um, She was also pregnant with Sienna, our oldest daughter. And um, by all accounts, I should have been like pumped beyond galore. But I wasn't. There's a reality that I wasn't. See, I I love the fact that we got a house, we're going to have a baby, but I was in probably one of the gnarliest seasons of anxiety in my whole life. Um, There's a lot going on in life, becoming a dad, being a good husband, commuting endless hours, taking care of a family, all that stuff. But I was also dealing with um, just crippling doubt of God's existence. See, the anxiety was so intense that there were moments where the intrusive thoughts would take over, and I thought I was sort of going crazy, honestly. I was like, I must be nuts right now. But I was also dealing with the doubt of, is God real? Can I trust the Bible? What does it mean if I'm a Christian and I doubt? Like, am I in sin because I'm doubting right now? Like, the list goes on. Beyond it all, like, why doesn't God just take this away from me? Why doesn't he just take away this, this pain, this anxiety, this doubt that I had? And beyond that, we were at a new church. And I really didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't, um, I didn't know if it was safe to talk to anyone. How would people receive someone that's going through all this stuff? I was a complete mess at the time. And during that time, Marla and I, we, uh, we got into a marriage study. And the first night we walked in, there was like five or six other couples. And we were the youngest by like 10 to 20 years. I'm pretty sure everyone in there, including us, thought we were in the wrong room. But we came to realize that was exactly where we needed to be. It was about two weeks in. And I don't remember what the question was. It was something about our marriage. And um, I just broke down. Just all the anxiety and fear just had been crippling, and I broke down, and I was in tears. Some of you guys have seen me like that before. I have known to do that at times. Um, to cry, I mean. Uh, 
But in that moment, our leaders of that group were so gracious. Jeff and Sarah um, loved us really, really well in that season. They invited us into their home. Marla and I would go over there like once a week. They'd make us dinner. They'd hang out with us. Jeff would listen. He wouldn't judge. He'd just sit there and listen. He'd encourage me towards Jesus. Um, I opened up about a lot of my doubts and stuff, but and share everything, but at the same time, never, nothing really scared him away. I think most of all in that season, I realized that I was loved by the Lord, but also by people that were around me and that took me in. And I think about that, like there's some of you that are been walking with Jesus for a long time, you're mature Christians. And I say, don't ever underestimate the impact you could have on someone's life by letting them in, inviting them in. The other thing the Lord gave me in that season was a verse. I remember when it happened, it was in like a moment of clarity when the anxiety wasn't taking over, but he reminded me of John 10.10. 10. It says, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. See, my life at that point was marked by the, the thief coming and stealing and killing and destroying. Like, I, I didn't feel like I had a moment of peace. Um, my, the very faith that had carried me through the, the years before that, since I came to know Jesus, seemed like it was being stolen away from me. Um, I was afraid that everything in my life was going to fall apart because I was a complete mess at that season. But the second half of that, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. That was the thing I was holding on to. Like, I didn't have anything else to hold on to in that moment because that abundant life was something I'd deeply desired and needed. So on November 29, 2010, that's right, tomorrow, 11 years ago, Sienna Ann was born. Yeah. Happy birthday tomorrow, sweetheart. Um, she was beautiful, guys. Healthy. Oh. Think back to that moment. It was one of the most exciting moments and one of the most terrifying moments simultaneously. See, I was excited because she was healthy and Marla was healthy. Everyone was good. Everything was going fine. Um, I was a dad, but I was also terrified because I was going through all this mess. Like, how was I going to bring up a child to fear the Lord when I wasn't even sure I was in that moment? And so, as you traditionally do as a dad, I guess, maybe it's just me, but I looked up the clock. And it was 10, 10 a.m. And immediately I was reminded of that verse, John 10, 10. Life in abundance. It's like Jesus burst onto the scene in that moment. And he said, Mike, I want you to have life in abundance. So the second thing I learned about faith is that God reveals himself in his word. See, the, the, the doubt and anxiety, it didn't go away. It would have been great if it did. Oh, man, I would have loved it. I was still dealing with it every single day. But, see, it didn't have the same sting that it had before. Like, Jesus had shown up on the scene 
And like I had this newfound hope that I just didn't have in that season. Yeah, it was beautiful. The other thing that he showed me in that season was this importance of patient faith. So often I would think of faith and strong faith or weak faith. But he showed me patient faith. Faith that, a faith that endures the brokenness of this world and all that it throws at you. Faith that holds on. Doesn't let go. It stays connected. In uh, John fifteen four, it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, patient faith stays connected in expectation of the fruit that will come in time. My, my faith wasn't, the patience was not perfect, guys. I mean, there was moments where I was just like hanging on by like this much. But it was still trying to hang on. And as I did... God opened my eyes to him through his word more and more. In Luke 24, verses 44 through 49, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples after the resurrection. He says, he told them, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, in that moment, he took my head knowledge and turned it into heart knowledge. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you what my Father promised. Jesus opened their eyes to be witnesses, just like he's done for us as Christians, for those of us that are Christians. See, right before this, um, it's said that some of these doubted. So they're in the room with Jesus, before he spoke those words, it said that some still doubted. Like, there's a reality that some of us in this room could be dealing with doubt right now in a serious way. And coming to your Bible in that moment, I'm just going to tell you, it was excruciating when I did it because it reminded me of how much I did doubt, how much it hurt to doubt, how much my anxiety was like, it says, fear not. I'm like, I'm, all I am is fearful. I don't know how to not fear. Like, how am I going to do that? But there's a reality that he showed me in his word that he still loved me. I had hope in that. I love the way uh, Eugene Peterson captures the importance of reading and meditating on Scripture. He says, Christians feed on Scripture. Holy Scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use Scripture. We assimilate it, take it into our lives in such a way 
that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. He opens our eyes to see him in the scriptures, to be witnesses of his grace, to proclaim his name to the nations. But for that to happen, we have to turn our attention to him in his word. We have to read it. We have to meditate on it. We have to metabolize it into acts of faith. So um, Marla and I, our journey in the church has been unique and diverse. Hers longer than mine. Um, but we've been a part of house church. We've been part of, uh, we've attended multi-site megachurch, been part of other church. And um, through that, I've seen like a lot of different good and hard things, I'll say. Uh, I was, when I was saved, I was a part of a house church. It was awesome. Um, eight to 12 of us, I was in Long Beach at the time. Um, Marla joined us a little bit later on. Um, it was awesome. Like we, it felt like the book of Acts. There was no place for me to hide whatsoever. Uh, I mean, when there's only eight or 12 of you, you can't really hide. Um, also, I got to grow in faith, learning to re, you know, confess sin, to repent, to move forward in faith. I got to explore my gifts, like how am I gifted? Um, you know, one of the things I love most about it is it was really easy to move. Like, you could move quick. There was a need. There's only 12 of us, tops. We got to move into that and be able to love people in Jesus' name at that point. It was beautiful. We got to see God do amazing things in that season. But with that, there was like, there's, I'll be honest, there was a lack of accountability and there was a lack of structure, which made it really hard. Like, we were part of a network of churches in Long Beach at the time, but um, you're only as accountable as you want to be at the end of the day. It's like individuals. We're only as accountable as we want to be. And so over time, we ran into a conflict that happened, and it wasn't handled biblically, and the church dissolved. That was really hard. Um, I'd been a Christian for three years at that point, and for the first time, I was without a church family and didn't really know who to go to and um, really... Honestly, didn't really want to go to anyone. I was hurt by everything that had taken place. So, um, like I was saying before, we were part of another church as well, um, here in the valley, and we received really good care from Jeff and Sarah in that time. I mean, I think about them. They're some of my favorite people. I haven't seen them for years because they moved away, but they loved Marla and I so, so well. And um, as well... I got a front row seat to seeing so many people come to know Jesus during those years. It was beautiful. Baptisms, healings, people that we'd been praying for for years and years that, um, that they'd be free of addiction. And God freed them from addiction. And those people now walking with Jesus in beautiful ways, um, like it's, it was absolutely amazing. I also ran into a lot of hard times. Like, there was a lot of pain and heartbreak for me in those years as well. Um, I went into a season where I was working like 60 plus hours plus travel for work. 
I was serving in the church 20 plus hours a week. Yeah, probably plus at times. Um, We had three kids at the time. And uh, my pace was absolutely unsustainable. It was not healthy. In one year, I ended up in the hospital twice. Um, I was clinically burnt out completely. Like, I didn't have anything left in the tank, and I was a complete mess. Um, So, like, when we came here, it was after a season of deep pain and disappointment and just horrible burnout. And so, when we arrived, I can say we came in with a serious limp. Serious limp. Um, Not just me, Marla as well. I mean, none of us do this stuff in a vacuum. And so she had been right by my side through all of it, and she had her own stuff as well. So we came in here, and it was beautiful. I was actually recounting from about six months ago at the third birthday. Marla and I, when we shared, it was all about rest. We came here, and we've received rest. I'll add to that care. Um, During that time, Tom... Herrick, Ebony, and Heather, they're like, you guys should just come and be. Rest. Don't sign up for anything. You guys need rest right now. And we came, and that's what we did. We rested for quite a few months, it seemed like. And uh, as well, we received so much good care from this body. Like, you guys have been a joy to walk with over the last two and a half years. I also... We also got plugged into a GC. And our GC, oh man, we love our GC. Beautiful people that um, God has richly blessed us with. Um, in this season, I've learned um, this, this thing of leading from a place of weakness. Sort of sounds funny to me, but I get it. Because I'd never done it before. But the fruit of it has been absolutely beautiful. Like, I, I struggle with performance. Like, that's one of my top things. I want to be accepted through performing well, presenting a really good version of myself. And um, I have not got that opportunity there because I've been able to confess it and to allow people to speak into that, to remind me that I'm accepted in Jesus. And I don't have to hide behind, you know, this image that I want to project. I've been able to, like, cry and be sort of messy at times, and people love me well there. Um, I think the thing I love most is I don't feel like I have to hide anymore, where I spent years and years hiding behind what I thought people wanted me to be, but find what, behind what I thought would make myself presentable and liked. And then there was this time about six weeks ago where Tom had just finished preaching, and Lisa, um, the Lord gave her a verse. She came up here and faithfully uh, shared that verse with everyone. And immediately I was sitting right over there where I usually sit. And immediately I knew it was for me. In a room of over 100 people, I knew it was for me. And I would just burst into tears. See, this was the first time that I'd, that had ever happened to me. You know, it's happened to other people and all that stuff, and thank God it has. It just hadn't happened to me like that. And I burst into tears, and Vinny was right behind me, and I, I had to go hide, so I hid over in the corner over there by, by the tables and all that stuff because I was like, I don't want anyone to see me crying like this. 
But then I was like, you know what, I need to go get prayer. So I walked over there. And for the first time in my life, um, I cried on a woman's shoulder that was not my mom or my wife. (laughs) And it was really good. It was good to just to know that I was loved and God loved me in that way. That, I mean, in that moment, Lisa and Herrick prayed for me and they cared for me. And I also saw that God, he reached into this really painful moment I was going through. And he saw me. He said, I see you. And in that time, I was was having a really hard time praying as well about this situation. And he's like, I'm going to bridge that gap. I'm going to come in. I'm going to let you know that I see you and I love you. And he did healing in me. He did healing in and through his people. So my, my last one. The third lesson I learned about faith was God reveals himself through his people. I think there's a reality that um, over the years I could have given up on the church. I think all, there's quite a few of us that probably have felt that way. Um, I've had many friends that have. They've, uh, they've walked away from Jesus altogether. Some of them have just walked away from the church. Super painful. Um, people experiencing like ex- extreme hurt and disappointment in the church. I think this is something that a lot of us go through. But what I can say is, don't give up on the church. Why? Because he reveals himself through his people, through his church. And he's in the process of renewing all things through his church. So in First Peter. 4:10 through 11 it says just as each one has received a gift use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God if anyone speaks let it be as one who speaks God's words if anyone serves let it be for the strength for the strengthening of God that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything see there's a reality that we were made for community see we're made in God's image one God, three persons. The Godhead, perfect affection, love, care. But as so often, we don't reflect that well. Sin has entered and has distorted our view of community. But through the blood of Jesus, God is restoring it. I was reminded of this, uh, oh, I was journeying back through the blue book, uh, Gospel and Community. I'm sure plenty of you guys have read this. In the first chapter, it sort of caught my eye as I was reading through it a couple weeks ago. It said, we sometimes treat community like the safety net under a tightrope walker. It's a good thing to have in case something bad happens. But the Bible talks about community as if it's the tightrope itself. You can't move forward without it. You were created for community. You were redeemed for community. And you are transformed in community. We were made to walk the tightrope of community. So my question is, are you living and engaging in community? Because it's part of God's plan for your life.
So I realize none of what I've shared is necessarily easy, um, but I can say that it's definitely worth it. Um, in this room, I realize that there's a reality that many of you are dealing with depression, depression, anxiety, could be dealing with doubt, or you've dealt with doubt, dealing with betrayal by loved ones, you've been hurt by the church. Like, there's no question, life is hard. We're 20 months into this whole pandemic thing. Life is hard. We all get it. We've all dealt with stuff. So how did I not lose my faith in seasons of betrayal, loneliness, anxiety, doubt, burnout? What kept me? It was Jesus in his body. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. I found that as I see his faithfulness revealed more and more, it actually draws my heart to have deeper and deeper faith in him. Man, he's faithful. He's never going to let you guys down. We can trust him. He's the most trustworthy being there is. And we're made for this. We're made to walk with Jesus by faith in community. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. So loving. I thank you that... Um, all things, that you're working to make all things new, that you are the one that we can trust more than anyone. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your faithfulness towards me with our community here. I thank you that we get to enjoy you, the king of the universe. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. Beautiful, Mikey. Profound. Profound. We have plenty of time. All right. What we're going to do for the next 20 minutes is we are going to collectively and individually respond to the ways in which God, through his spirit, is... leading three things God reveals himself through his spirit through his word and through his people Uh, those three points did not come for Mike easy can we all agree on that if you were listening to his story high highs low lows but all the while God reveals himself 
through his spirit, through his word, and through his people. I just want to take a moment before we open things up and let, let the spirit move and let you respond to him through praise and um, actually to with the prayer team, if you guys would make your way to the to, kind of to the back, that would be helpful. Thank you guys. Um, before we go into that, like I just in the ways that, that Mike ended his message, like turn your eyes to Jesus, turn your eyes to Jesus, turn your eyes to Jesus. The next 20 minutes are gonna be really distracting for most of you. You're going to be thinking about all kinds of things. Your, your mind is, is like a battle for your mind, okay? So hear me. Listen to what Mike said. Turn your eyes to Jesus as best you can. And begin to kind of examine your own life, the ways that God has been radically faithful to you. The fact that any of us are standing here with breath in our lungs is like, whoa, that's grace. Like he deserved to strike me with lightning like a long time ago, Okay but genuinely, how amazing is the faithfulness of God to us? Not just as a concept, but as a reality. How amazing is the faithfulness of God to you? And I'm not asking you, I'm not trying to like get this you to conjure it up and try really hard. Turn your eyes to Jesus. God, he desires to reveal himself to you. He desires to reveal himself to us collectively, corporately. How is he gonna do that? Through his spirit, through his word, and through his people, through his body, the hands and feet of Jesus are in this room. That's why, we, that's why we sit this way, so you guys can see each other. I want to dare you. Who's up for a dare? I want to dare. Yes, I love that. I love it. I love it. But hear me. I want to dare you. Some of you, it's been a long time. It's been a while since you've like experienced God, since you've had an encounter with him. More than just like, oh, cool, like Jesus is real and I, I believe in him and I, you know, I acknowledge that he exists. I'm talking an encounter with the living God. It's been a while. I want to dare you. Where does God reveal himself? His spirit, his word, and his people. I dare you. I dare you to invite the spirit of God to highlight things to you, to teach you, to show you, to bring things to your mind. Let him lead you. I'm talking in this moment for the next 20 minutes. I dare you, invite the spirit and see if God doesn't reveal himself. I dare you to meditate on his word, not just here and now, but every single day you're alive. You don't need to memorize an entire chapter of scripture, although that's amazing. I highly recommend you do that. Grab one verse. I love most of, uh, most of Mikey's experiences were with like one verse as he's just stewing on it and meditating on it and God met him in those spaces. Maybe it's one of the verses that Mike shared this morning. Maybe it's a, like a verse that keeps popping up in your mind. Maybe it's something that you've never read before that the Spirit of God draws to your attention and you pull out your Bible, hopefully not your cell phone, but your Bible, either way, and you look at it and you let it like marinate in your heart. I dare you. I dare you. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly and see if He doesn't reveal Himself. And I dare you engage with the body of Christ, engage with a spirit-filled Christian and a collection of spirit-filled Christians and see if God does not reveal himself. I dare you to go back to one of these trusted men or women that are in the back with their, like the, the prayer team. You guys know them. Um, if you're new with us, they're trustworthy, okay? I dare you. See if God doesn't reveal himself in a way that meets you with the fatherly, heavenly love of God that you're created to experience every moment of your day. Abide in me, remain in me. 
you stay with me, you'll bear much fruit. Man, will you guys just minister to us? Guys, we're, we're, we're gonna respond in praise. He's worthy, this is for him, but he meets you in the same space. Prayer team's available, and then uh, we'll be up to close things in about 15 and 20 minutes, okay? You and Jesus, see if he doesn't reveal himself. I dare you. God's highlighting uh, two people. It might be more than two people, but it's two things. I want to share this with you quickly, and then I'm going to ask Herrick to come up and pastor us and close us. Um, the first thing is shame. I feel like the Lord's highlighting shame. There's some of us in the room, like you're battling shame. You're, you're in, a, in a beautiful way, actually. You're aware in this moment of how you haven't been living the way that Jesus would desire for you to live in some specific areas in your life. And I feel like the Spirit wants to remind you that you've been forgiven of much. You've been forgiven of much. And who he is, he's merciful and he's kind. The scriptures talk about him being rich in mercy and gracious and steadfast in his love. So if you find yourself in that space where you're battling that shame, before you go, can I just please, can I please pray for you? I'd love to pray for you before you go. I think, the, I think the Father really wants to reinforce his forgiveness over your life, past, present, future. The second thing I felt like the Lord was highlighting is um, some of you are like, you're, you're really battling fear. Um, and I think it's specifically in uh, fear, like a specific kind of flavor of fear as it pertains to a relationship with somebody else. Uh, whether there's, there's something funky there or whatever, but there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's fear in your heart there. And I feel like God's highlighting because I think he wants to empower you to actually engage in relationship with this person or these people um, in a way that really like showcases what God's kingdom is like and how much freedom can be found. So if that's you, the shame or the fear, can I please pray for you before you go? Okay, I'll just be hanging out over here. Eric, will you come past us, bro, and close us? You guys can grab a seat. So if that resonated with you, go grab Tom after. I wanted to share quickly three things out of Mike's story. I don't know where Mike is, actually, but what a wonderful morning, huh? He's probably praying for someone. Um, there are three things that jumped out to me personally that I think might be good to highlight to us as a, as a community. Kind of like three um, maybe situations or spaces that you might find yourself in. One was uh, he mentioned being in crisis at one point in his life. And that was like a huge, huge moment. And I was thinking about how there are people in this room who are in crisis. And sometimes that feels like 
feeling overcome or sometimes it feels like you're literally drowning. You're in a situation where you feel like you're drowning or you're consumed by something, something that's like life, all life dominating, a crisis. So there's people in crisis on the one hand. On the other hand, there's just more like everyday stuff that we all deal with, like inattentiveness. So just being like it's really distracted. And sometimes it, it could be that I was thinking about like the, the, the reality that in the scriptures it talks about how we are to be led by the spirit. And sometimes I think I can be led by algorithms to the next thing on my thread or my feed or whatever on YouTube. And it's just kind of like there's just not a lot of attention that I'm paying to the lover of my soul, the God of the universe who loved me and died for me on a daily basis and be distracted and attentive. And then, then, so there's people in crisis. I think every single one of us probably struggles with inattentiveness to some degree or another. And then there's another kind of person in the room where you're just indecisive. And you're just going back and forth on this Jesus thing. Like, who is he? What does it mean for me to follow him? How does he, how does Jesus relate to what's happening in the world today? And it's just like, it's just hard to fully commit to him. I think Mike had, the, had a line in his message where it was like, it was all or nothing. <laughs> and we're not, you might be in the space where you feel like indecisive. And I just had this sense that I think God wants to meet you through his spirit by his people. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you, if, if any of these check for you to go get prayer, we still have multiple people in the back who would love safe people who love well, who hear God, who have his spirit, who want to pray for you. And the sense I had was that there's this reality that, that you can ask Jesus to begin to close the gap between where you are today and that abundant life that Mike was talking about. If you want that gap to close, go get prayer. For some of you, it might look like that today. Hopefully it's for many of you. For some others of you, it might actually look like bringing it to your gospel community in being known in that way so that they can minister to you, so that they can help you if you're in crisis, especially if you're in crisis. Or if you're really indecisive going back and forth on Jesus, it's okay. I think, Mike, hopefully, if, if, nothing, if you walk with nothing else, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to struggle in your faith. And it's really good to do that with people, not on your own. And lastly, I think for some of us, I think there's a legitimate opportunity to rethink our relationship with technology because it is the biggest thing that is taking our attention from Jesus. I think there's an invitation. If any of these check for you, go get prayer. I want to close with this because, like Mike said, I'm, I love movies. And I want to almost encourage you, if any of these check, it's like you're on that bridge, Indiana Jones, which I actually need to add to my list because I haven't seen it for uh, probably 30 years. But Indiana Jones, I know. I got really scared of the snakes in the, when I was a kid. If anybody's watched it, you probably know what I'm talking Whatever. There's this moment where Indiana Jones, here it is. It's the invisible bridge. We know what we believe, and then we step out in faith. Believe it or not, going to get prayer, going to your gospel community and being honest about where you're at, it's stepping on the bridge. And you have an opportunity to actually step out in faith. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going we're gonna to wind, wind down. I don't know where Mike is. He's somewhere. We love you, Mike, wherever you are. 
Well done. We love you, buddy. Okay. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for this powerful reminder of who you are and what you're doing in this world, that you are pursuing people. And that as we experience your love and your grace, that we can take steps of faith out onto that invisible bridge. I pray that for many, they would feel free today to confess weaknesses, struggles, pains, sin, shame, fear, distraction, whatever it is that's keeping each of us individually from experiencing the abundant life that you offer us today, that I really do believe you want us to experience. You died for it. And so we love you and we pray for every single person here to know what their next step is and actually take it this week. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. All good gifts that you've given us that we don't deserve, but we're grateful for. We love you in your name. Amen. Okay. We're going to close this out. We're going to close. Feel free to go get prayer. People in the back. Tom's up here. If this fear or shame so resonated with you, we love you. Enjoy your Sunday.